Is there a problem, officer? Yes, you've gotten a noise complaint. Hey, this is Pascal. Thanks for listening to Noise Complaint. We would like to acknowledge that CITR is located on the unceded, traditional, and ancestral territories of the Musqueam people. We are uninvited guests, and we keep this in mind in all the work that we do. In an especially chaotic episode of his show Chaotic Music Meetings, Miles went over to punk Jeff Kincaid, aka Devour's apartment, for an intimate back and forth. Miles and Jeff get deep into their queerness, their growth as musicians, fitting into the local music scene, coming out at 25, and why Devour's is more punk than it is anything else. I'm
This next one is called Jason Voorhees Salon and Spa. song is from my last album called Late Bloomer and it, the song is called Jazz by Thor. Uh-huh. 
Okay, you are still listening to Devours, and this is my last song.、Uh, it's called Pink Hat. Thank you, Miles, for having me. The one to love and cover you from now until the day I die. 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 Listening to Noise Complaint from CITR 101.9 FM and Discorder Magazine. This is Chaotic Music Meetings. I'm very excited. 
uh, because uh, we're not doing this live from the studio. I'm actually in the home of Devours. Hi. <laughs> A.K.A. <laughs> Jeff Kincaid. <laughs> um, Jeff, thank you so much for inviting me here to your house. I'm sitting on the edge of your bed right now talking to you. <laughs> yeah, very intimate. Thank you, Miles, for having me on your show. Hi, CITR. I am Jeff. <laughs> Great. Perfect. We're well on our way. <laughs> Uh, Jeff just performed for me here with his live setup uh, in his home. So I'm in Devour's land right now, treated to recently treated to a stellar, intimate performance. Thank you. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> um, and already, like, I don't know where to start because I'm a fan of yours and I've been wanting to hang out for a while. This is really the first time that we've got to hang out one-on-one yeah. and have, like, a real conversation. Yeah. Um, how's it going so far? How do you feel? <laughs> I'm great. Um, are you having fun? I'm having a blast. You're, I'm eating your blueberries. I'm drinking your juice. <laughs> yeah. Cool. There, you have such wholesome snacks. <laughs> yeah. Um, but I feel like we we should just dive into it because I, sure. I have so many questions for you, and I'm so interested in what you do. Um, Late Bloomer is an album that you put out in 2016. Yeah. Um, and that, just the image of the cover and the title, Late Bloomer, s- says so much immediately. Um, what mm-hmm. can you tell me about the title? Yeah, the album title is a reference to my coming out as gay at a slightly older age for my generation, I guess. And it also um, is a reference to me coming out as an artist in the Vancouver music and arts community because most people here in the scene get their start younger, you know, like late teens, early 20s. And I grew up on Vancouver Island lived in Montreal for three years and then moved here in sort of like my mid to late 20s and then it took me a handful of years to meet anyone in the music scene and so yeah when I put the album out I think I was 30 and that I guess is like a little bit old to be coming into like the the music scene (laughs) and so yeah that's what the album title is cool yeah it works on both of those levels yeah actually (laughs) you uh, saying that you uh, lived on Vancouver Island reminded me that we went to the same high school. We did. Great. We just found and that IMO. out. <laughs> NDSS High School. Shout out. Yep. Um, yeah, I feel like we have a lot in common. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, I also didn't come out uh, as queer until I was 25. Mm-hmm. Um, and and I really relate to the image of blooming. Mm. Like, uh, and you say that it's like it's related to... Um, coming out as gay and also coming out as a musician like starting to make music for the first time yeah not not so much making music for the first time i've been making music since i was a kid but just in terms of like creating a new identity for myself as like a public persona and as a performer that's the major thing like i have worked as um a like a background composer for for certain things, I guess, like I've made some stuff for TV commercials and for documentaries and stuff like that. But in terms of actually performing, like making my own songs and performing, I just could never book shows Mm. before. Yeah, I just like couldn't meet the right people. I didn't really have the right sound for Vancouver. And it just took a long time, a long time to like have to meet someone who would take a chance on me in Vancouver. Yeah. Yeah. And so, yeah. And so I I think that, yeah, it's more about like performing 
performing right I suppose and, rather than like starting to make music but and that's a very different thing like making music and recording music and actually performing and like getting involved in the music community in vancouver yeah that's a pretty huge change yeah yeah um I think, yeah, like I've always basically been a bedroom musician. And then when I lived in Montreal, I think I was maybe like between the ages of 22 and 25, I was there. And I had a different um, project at the time, like a different stage name. I was making sort of like experimental acapella music. And then I had a separate side project where I was basically like a one man grunge project band or whatever. And so, yeah, like my music didn't sound like what I'm doing for devourers nowadays but i was really like gunning for it in montreal i was trying to perform and trying to like be a part of the community there and again i just don't think that i was maybe like mature enough i don't think that i like had cool enough clothes i didn't really fit into the scene i was too young i just yeah it's a long story but um I did manage to perform a little bit in Montreal. I played a handful of shows here and there, but not really enough to get comfortable and build any confidence as an actual performer. Mm. And so, so yeah, like years went by and I was just sort of making mixtapes in my <laughs> bedroom that no one was hearing. And then, yeah, with Late Bloomer, thankfully the tides turned and I started to play shows. And so, yeah, that's been a big learning, learning curve. Yeah, no doubt. It's just learning how to actually engage with like, a crowd. Yeah. <laughs> it's hard. <laughs> and it was cute when I when I got here you you seemed a little bit nervous about the setup and how we were going to record just because you you told me like you don't really know gear very well yeah. which surprised me because you've got a ton of gear and it's really nice and you clearly know how to use it like uh, Thank you. as like I, <laughs> I honestly I hope to one day be as proficient as anything as you are with your gear setup. Oh, thanks. Yeah, so I think the funny thing um, is that I suppose like I, I am an electronic musician. A lot of the stuff that I make is through MIDI and through my synthesizer and through a computer and everything, but um, I don't really listen to a lot of electronic music and don't see myself, I guess, as much of an electronic musician. I don't know. This is just like a phase in my life where I'm focusing on doing electronic stuff, mm -hmm. whereas in the past it was more of like experimental stuff or vocal stuff or i can play a bit of guitar i grew up playing the drums as well and so yeah i i suppose maybe that's why i'm not like a whiz kid with like gear and electronic stuff maybe is because yeah <laughs> I, I don't know it's hard to explain this is like the phase you're in now uh yeah i suppose you know like growing up i um made a lot of music on my keyboard which i still have actually it's the keyboard that i use to perform everywhere it's the keyboard that I grew up with mm. and so yeah so like I have a little bit of experience with like programming and layering sounds and stuff like that on my keyboard just from the stuff that I made growing up but but yeah not not a gearhead uh, yeah <laughs> <laughs> and uh late bloomer came out in 2016 and mm -hmm. it's um well what am I trying to say it's it's if you bloomed in 2016 are you still blooming <laughs> yeah um, yeah. <laughs> okay, I'm trying to think of, like, a good answer for this. Yeah, because, like, when I made... There's, like, the cheesy answer of being, like, we're always blooming and we're always growing as people, which I do believe. Sure, yeah. But I think that, like, when I made the album, I was definitely fully out and comfortable with being gay. I had been in the, the gay community for a handful of years, and... 
yeah so like a lot of the lyrics are about you know like relationships and sex and longing for guys that i can never have <laughs> and stuff like that and i think that maybe um the whole idea of like queerness is actually more new to me than anything because i've always identified as gay and uh, cisgendered and i know that that's like within the rainbow and i do identify with like queer politics and everything like that and so yeah like on dating apps and stuff i put myself down as queer now and i think that in the last like year or two i've tried to make efforts to learn about like what does the word queer mean in 2018 you know and and so yeah like maybe just learning more about like the community the different people within the community and about like how i present myself to the world but uh, maybe that's why I'm, I guess I'm still blooming. Mm-hmm. Did, that, did that answer make any sense? That's a great answer. <laughs> Cheers. Okay. Um, yeah, and and speaking of queerness, uh, you're going to be performing at the, this queer showcase uh, on June, July 29th. Yeah, the event um, is called Pride Tongue Tied, and it is put on through, I guess, CITR? You bet. Yeah, and it is starring Kim Mortal, Sorry Edith, myself, and a band that you may have heard of, Miles, Pale Red. Oh, don't be cheeky. <laughs> uh, yes, I've heard of them. Okay. They're all right. Um, <laughs> yeah, that's, that's, um, that's going to be a beautiful show. Yeah, please come. It is at East, <laughs> East Side Flea Market? I guess East Side, <laughs> East Side Studios, Studios, East Side oh, sorry, Warehouse. Yeah. Uh, I don't know if they've settled on like fully on a name yet. It's got a few names, like yeah, the new okay. Red Gate. It's yeah, I still haven't been to the Eastside Studios, so mm. that'll be cool to see the space. Uh, yeah, we'll see. Hopefully people will come. It's part of Queers and Beers. Yeah. I think so. Yeah, and it's all like queer identifying bands involved. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, which is awesome. Yeah, this is great. Um, and I think like uh, queerness is a new thing to me, too. Like I came out as queer uh, when I was 25, and I'm 28 now. Um, and... It seems very subjective. Like there's, um, um, I when I came out, I was kind of, um, well, I had been uh, with like exclusively with uh, women until I was 25. Like that's who I thought I was solely attracted to, um, and it it took me until I was 25 to sort of figure out. No, there's there's definitely a lot more going on with my sexuality than mm-hmm. that. Like, I think when I was uh, growing up, uh, around me there was... Um, th- I, I grew up with a, quite a lot of uh, positive uh, gay influences around me and gay people that I knew and who were very supportive. But um, I guess because I wasn't like exclusively gay or exclusively straight mm-hmm. um i didn't really know where i fit in there yeah yeah um and so queerness to me means that like it's it's just more of an open term like i don't really feel um i don't really feel like i am part of the gay community because right, yeah. um i'm not uh exclusively homosexual um but so I've always had this sort of weird, like, I'm an in-between person. <laughs> and when I was a kid, like, I, uh, when I first moved out of home later on, like, I, I lived in the city, and I come from this, like, the uh, kind of country-esque yeah. <laughs> little tiny island. So I felt like I was in-between the city 
kids and the country kids okay, and i didn't yeah. feel like a hippie or a redneck i was somewhere in between those two <laughs> like there are all these sort of uh, uh dichotomies that get set up in your life that make you think like oh i have to choose one or the other absolutely and uh i really couldn't and i yeah I, it took me a long time to figure out who i am yeah yeah me too and i'm still figuring it out yep <laughs> um awesome yeah no i've yeah, I feel the same way. Like, I didn't really have any, like, gay role models growing up in Nanaimo at that time. I was very, very in denial about my sexuality for a long time. And mm-hmm. it's hard to not be ashamed of that, you know? I th- think that by, at the end of the day, we all need to just, like, own who we are and be proud and, and out. And, yeah, like, I just couldn't do that for, like, a long time. And I spent my three years in Montreal just sort of like slowly but surely like coming out and accepting myself and didn't do anything with anyone in Montreal which is like a very very gay (laughs) friendly city and so yeah like when I first moved to yeah I was 25 when I moved to Vancouver and came out to my sister a week before I moved here Mm. and so Vancouver was like my big like I'm gay experience (laughs) of like meeting people I didn't know anyone when I moved here and so that was my community for a few years was meeting people and yeah, so I think that I was trying to find some sort of I- identity, I guess, because I didn't really feel um, like I fit, like the gay stereotype, the, the few that we saw on TV growing up of like this, the flamboyant, you know, like pretty boy type guys who are fantastic, but I just didn't feel like I fit that box exactly. Mm-hmm. And I just didn't really have gay people in my life very much that, that were out uh, g- growing up. And so, yeah, I, I sort of, discovered the bear community in montreal and then yeah was like very much a part of that scene like an active part of that scene was going to events and stuff and um yeah like so for a handful of years i felt like i was a part of the bear community in vancouver have you heard of the the bears oh for sure okay yeah and so yeah um after being a part of that community for a few years i felt how do i say this it was that it was a little bit superficial um, it's there are lots of fantastic people in that community. Um, there's definitely pressure to like have a beard and to be hairy and to be an exact type of like body size and weight. Mm-hmm. And it's just yeah, it's like yeah, it's kind of kind of like the music scene. It's all kind of superficial. <laughs> and so yeah, I was ready to break away from that. I felt a lot of like body like. I was struggling with body image because I always have struggled with body image and I felt like it wasn't really healthy for me to try to like mold myself to, to like be attractive and fit in with this like group of people or this community. And so, yeah, I think that like late bloomer for me and like the imagery that went into late bloomer and like wearing a dress and stuff, it felt very much like a punk moment in my life. And I do see myself as a punk musician because I just sort of do what I want and don't care about like what is trendy. But yeah, so that was like a big moment for me to break away from my friends and the people in that scene and to just embrace being more feminine and to like, yeah, wear more feminine clothes and to just be like, whatever, that Mm -hmm. is me. And so, yeah, that was like an important like phase of my life that I guess I'm still going through a little bit, but yeah. I mean, it's hard to like find your scene when you don't, when you're still finding yourself. Like, yeah, absolutely. And it, and I guess like I've always um 
I, I, to some extent, I fantasize about the gay scene in Vancouver, like and the, like the Davy Village, and but I don't go there very often. I haven't been getting involved in it, uh, okay. partly because I find it very intimidating. And yeah, and, and honestly, I'm it can very, be like yeah. I don't want to say anything bad about the scene, but it can be oh, a little no. bit judgmental towards like bisexual guys or like people who who are just identify as queer. You, you know, like yeah. there are a few bars on Davy that are just like very very gay it's mostly just like straight up homos and so yeah like it's it's maybe not like the most welcoming like scene <laughs> to, like people who feel like they're in between but there are lots of people who are very accepting too i don't want to like discourage anyone <laughs> from like exploring or going to bars and stuff oh yeah it's, but, it's, yeah it's kind of yeah some people are more judgmental and some people are more accepting it's like anything in life yeah people are people yeah um and especially when, like, a, a group of people has, like, come together out of solidarity to, to, to support one another, like, mm-hmm. there needs to be a gay scene. Oh, yeah. Um, and if you don't identify, like, strictly as gay, then, you know, there's usually, like, I think at most of these places you can go and be welcomed, but it's a matter of, like, feeling comfortable. Yeah. And yeah. I, you know, I, I grew up with a lot of internalized shame because I didn't understand that I was queer and... Yeah. Um, so it's that that takes years to really like get over like to get Absolutely. comfortable and get proud. Oh yeah, it's taken me yeah like I've I've been out for I guess eight years now and a good number of those years was spent yeah just like trying to let go of like twenty five years of internalized homophobia. Mm-hmm. It doesn't happen yeah. overnight. It takes years. Yeah, <laughs> it takes years. I feel so. like like I came out uh, three years ago roughly, mm-hmm. and I feel like I'm a three-year-old queer like i'm a baby queer okay (laughs) yeah um that's that's how i've been looking at it lately like just that's that's what i'm working with i'm i'm very new to this i'm Mm -hmm. learning (laughs) um i'm i'm still getting on my feet cool i'm glad that you came out (laughs) likewise yeah Yeah, welcome to the it's good stuff yeah i'm glad that we are both under the rainbow (laughs) great (laughs) there is a place for all of us i feel like that's an important like message i guess not to sound cheesy but yeah like there are lots of different people within like the lgbtq plus community and some people still don't feel like they fit in to the the scene, I guess you could say, but yeah, I, I really feel like there's a place for everyone. Yeah, and like we're all kind of the same in it's, a way. And some things are cheesy to say, even like, but they're so beautiful. Like it's so true. Mm-hmm. I don't, I don't mind that if it's if people think it's cheesy. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> this is a good place for that stuff. <laughs> cool. Uh, can you tell me about like who who in your life made it easier for you to come out, or like what artists did you see that were like expressing queerness or gayness and like who who did you see who you were like yes that <laughs> oh good question i don't really have an answer hmm. actually yeah like if i think about like celebrities or people like in the art the music world or whatever i just yeah, like maybe when I was like, if I was in my early twenties and there was like a gay bear with like who was really hairy or something like that, who like made it big in the indie scene or something, then I'd be like, oh, that's someone who's really similar to me. I can make it too. But like, I didn't ever have that, I guess. Mm-hmm. But yeah, there are lots of 
fantastic <laughs> LGBTQ musicians out there. I guess I just didn't have like a direct like ins- inspiration sure, for yeah. for queerness. I, yeah. Did you have like a direct inspiration for this album, Late Bloomer? Mm. I mean, I ask because um, mm. like uh, I I always wonder about lyrics and how people write lyrics and how people integrate lyrics into songs and you have this like what I think of as like a really beautiful um, marriage of the lyrics and the sounds that you're making where they just go together in such a like emotionally satisfying way (laughs) thanks a lot Um, and it's personally satisfying to me like I I find your music really nourishing wow Um, thank you Miles (laughs) thank you Um, so I wonder if like um I, I yeah, I didn't really have like an exact like inspiration for this album, but I'll be honest, um I wanted Vancouver, like I wanted the Vancouver music scene to be more gay. <laughs> like it's right. a really it's a really straight scene. So you had and, a mission. Sorry? So you had a mission. <laughs> yeah, maybe. You know, I didn't like there have been many gay like artists before me, so I didn't necessarily feel like I was breaking the mold or anything like that, but for yeah, I just sort of looked around at this the scene and felt like there was something missing and I felt like I'd had, you know, a lot of experiences and stories to share with people and I just yeah, I don't know. I have no regrets. <laughs> I'm glad that I put myself out there. But yeah, I think that the scene is very, very welcoming to people who identify as queer. I think there are lots of allies. I think that it's a little bit trickier being like slightly older in age than a lot of the people in the scene. And I think that it's also a little bit hard making a style of music that isn't really like trendy for the city mm-hmm. you know like for anyone who isn't making like indie garage punk rock whatever is happening right now mm-hmm. it's it's really hard but i think that in terms of my like sexuality people have actually been really really supportive maybe i am like a, one of those like tokens now like i'm finding opportunities because i'm like a token like a person on a, a bill um yeah that's always a danger around here <laughs> yeah yeah and i mean that even yeah this is getting into like maybe I shouldn't be talking about this, but yeah, for like Music Waste this year, I was part of the Queer Music Showcase, mm-hmm. and that I'm really glad that um, Music Waste put that like effort in. The bill was awesome. Lots of really cool bands. Uh, I got to play with lots of great bands on that bill, but but yeah, like I sort of wondered, is this sort of like tokeny to just be like, oh, I'm gonna get put into a box of like I'm gonna play the queer showcase and Mm -hmm. i had to just question you know like is this idea dated is it needed in vancouver do i want to be labeled necessarily as like a queer artist and then i decided yes to everything like vancouver does need more representation i'm very happy to be like visibly gay i i guess you could say that my next album is definitely more like defiantly queer and gay than my last album mm, more uh, punk yeah yeah i think like with late bloomer that was a tricky thing for me because i wanted to build an audience and i wanted to connect with as many people as possible and so for a lot of the songs that were about relationships i wouldn't necessarily say like use the pronouns to like reveal that i'm talking about a man or something like that mm-hmm. I, I tried to keep the lyrics kind of like universal and then on like newer music that I'm making and on my next album and everything, I'm just like, whatever, fuck it. 
<laughs> I'm just like, yeah, the lyrics are like very obviously about like gay sex and relationships yeah. and it feels awesome. You yeah. know, it's 2018. Just own it. I've, yeah, I'm very happy and proud to be like, yeah, like visible and not just be like trying to appeal to to everyone. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Like, I'm not the boy next door. I'm not a mainstream person. I'm someone who I guess is part of like a minority group, and I'm happy to just like sing for my people. I guess I don't mm-hmm. really know how to describe oh, it. And but I think- I'm learning to own that more instead of just being like, oh, I need to appeal to the masses. Like whatever. Yeah, that's fine. I think that's part of why I find your music uh, nourishing is that like not not because uh, I see what you're doing and I relate to it, which I kind of do to some extent, mm. but uh, because I see that you are an individual, like expressing yourself as an individual, and it's very distinct. It's very like it's not like anything else, and that Thanks. is what is nourishing to me. Like it's just cool. Thank you. It it feels so good to hear people really representing themselves and proud proud of who they are cool that is that makes me very happy to hear (laughs) i'm glad that it's kind of like coming off the way that i want it to oh cheers yeah yeah i think you're doing great work thank you (laughs) you're listening to devours and now i'm turning the tables on miles (laughs) so miles let's talk a little bit about the vancouver music scene Ooh. What do you like? What's something that you like about the scene, and what's something that you wish could maybe be a little different? Ooh, oh, huge question. Yeah. <laughs> um, great. Um, what I like about the scene is that um, it is always shifting. Like mm-hmm. it's, it goes through some periods of like, yeah, this is great. There are so many uh, DIY spaces available to play. And it goes through phases where people are really scrambling to find even a place to jam. Yeah. Um, like, you really feel <laughs> uh, the gentrification around here yeah. as a musician. Mm-hmm. Um, but, but in a way, I do like that because I like that people are constantly on the lookout for new venues mm. and new DIY spaces and just, like, accessible, affordable places to play. Mm. Um, so... There are so many musicians here, and they're all underpaid. <laughs> yeah, but they're not underplayed. Like, <laughs> mm. there's a lot of opportunities, and um, p- it means that every musician in town pretty much is basically always on the lookout for new venues. Mm-hmm. And the people who've been doing this a long time are starting to get together and collect and like talk about hey what are we going to do with the next five years like okay yeah. <laughs> what are we going to do when you know venues keep shutting down mm-hmm. uh developers keep muscling people out um so it's it's the possibility like there's just so mm-hmm. much there's a tremendous sense of possibility all the time uh even when it feels like there's you have no options okay like, yeah. it's just a matter of perspective i think um, and I'm coming from a very, like, privileged point of view, like, um, so I can understand that people might even resent me talking about this just because, like, I'm not as at risk as a lot of musicians here. Mm. Um, interesting. Yeah, I think that, yeah, what you just mentioned is interesting because I think that people, like, if I commented on it, then people would maybe resent me because I'm not really jamming with people. Right, like I just sort of make music in my apartment, and mm-hmm. that 
is it. But yeah, it's interesting talking to you because you are in a band and these are very real issues of like rehearsal space or like, uh, yeah. And so, yeah, that's a very good point that you made. Is there um, something just like in terms of the, the music itself that you want to see change in Vancouver or do you really like the music that's being made here? Oh, I... I, I wouldn't change a thing musically because like uh there's such there's so much variety of music here mm-hmm. like uh and I'm constantly finding out about new bands who are playing music that I've never heard before like i don't yeah. I don't pay a lot of attention to genres I just sort of take each band as they come and like try to describe their music as best I can mm-hmm. but I feel like there's no end to like the kinds of music that are being created here or will be created here mm-hmm. yeah I think that when I first moved here I didn't necessarily have like the greatest opinion or view of the Vancouver music scene most of what I was seeing was just sort of like the trendy indie rock things happening and then I had to really dig into like the underground scene a little bit more to to find out that there is something for everyone there's every type of music that's being made here like at mm. all times but I just want to commend Music Waste and the organizers for like I did n- like notice a shift a handful of years ago where they tried to like broaden the festival and there's a like yeah like minorities are better represented now um and like genres that aren't necessarily yeah getting a ton of like play or whatever are being represented a little bit better and i think that yeah so yeah i don't even know where i'm going with this but yeah i i really like it too but in the past i just didn't yeah feel like certain like organizations were like representing Mm -hmm. (laughs) like all the different types of music that are made here but but yeah like in the last few years i feel like the scene is awesome there's so much good stuff here there's tons of talent so and music waste is a big one for like it's put on by largely by musicians and people who are working in the music scene yeah who have been working in it for years and who are used to the struggle of it yeah yeah um, that's a good point and they're all you know like uh they're on different levels of privilege i guess it's all pretty relative but mm. and i can't like i'm not gonna call people out and <laughs> yeah <laughs> uh, that's not for me to judge um but it is people who are like who are trying who are like really attempting to like yes, make absolutely. inclusive spaces yeah yeah i feel the same way yeah i think that a lot of these people have their like hearts in the right place and mm-hmm. that is awesome and i'm really proud to be a musician here um next question i'm racking my brain now um who were a few of your favorite um like artists and bands when you were in like grade nine? Ooh, grade nine Oh, please, actually, can we pick another year? Because that was an embarrassing phase for me. I have all my answers <laughs> locked in. Okay. You can, yeah, I was yeah, in no. love with Limp Bizkit. Okay. Like, loved it. I loved Corn. Oh, yeah, man. I still, I cite new Metal as, like, a huge influence on my own music. Actually, cool. I still listen to it sometimes, unironically. I wow. love Slipknot. Um, okay, I, I loved Britney Spears. <laughs> ah, yeah, I love Britney Spears, too. Yeah, love um, pop music. Uh, okay, well, I won't shy away from this question then. Uh, <laughs> Good, got, I have no shame. Go for it. Control over this for a reason. <laughs> um, okay, well, it was a real odd mix. <laughs> when I was a kid, I was called odd a lot. <laughs> you were what, sir? I was called odd a lot. Oh yeah, me too. and uh, <laughs> I feel like I was into all kinds of things. My main influences when I was fourteen, I guess, was ninth grade. Uh, would sure. have been. 
the Red Hot Chili Peppers. Oh, okay. Californication or the album after? Oh, uh, like Blood Sugar Sex Magic and the Uplift Mofo Party Plan. Interesting. Okay, so like uh, the slightly funkier, like late oh, 80s, yeah, early 90s very, stuff? Oh, yeah, very funky. Okay. Um, but also like Led Zeppelin. Um, I had a really brief like hip-hop phase where I was trying to convince myself that I was a hip-hop person, and I'm, yeah. I'm just not. Okay. So that's why it was an embarrassing <laughs> phase for me. I was walking around high school with a, a toque with a pot leaf on it. Yes, I, I did Miles. not smoke pot at that time. <laughs> <laughs> it was a real, like, it was me trying to look cool. Yeah. I hear <laughs> that's you. a big part of being 14, I think. Yep. Um, yeah. Okay. Great. Good answer. <laughs> <laughs> Those are not bands I listen to anymore, but they definitely had a big impact on me at that age. Yeah. It's all good. Um, do like if, yeah if we're just looking at music that's been released in 2018 um do you have a few favorite like records that have been released this year mm. it doesn't have to be local it can be anything like who have you been listening to the top of my list and the person who i always listen to the most is shitlord fuckerman so whatever <laughs> shitlord awesome. has out uh at the time that you're listening to this go and scoop that up it's <laughs> it's great stuff um yeah, I've awesome. gotten really into this whole like indie rock scene that uh, that kind of bloomed out of Redgate mostly. Okay. Um, so I've been playing places like Redgate um, for the last five years. Right. Yeah. Um, so I I love all the local bands. <laughs> like, mm-hmm. um, uh, who else can I give a shout? I'm I'm trying to like <laughs> I'm trying to plug my friends who like maybe don't get as much representation as say the, like those sellouts from dumb or uh, oh. <laughs> that's that's a joke i love okay. dumb. Uh, <laughs> um tink and pete and the lost boys mm-hmm. are a great band to check out um yeah you um recommended that i check them out a little while ago and it was worth it oh cool very good yeah and especially good if you can catch them live um, I have it on your authority that they might be moving out east, uh, but uh, catch them while you can, if you can. Um, oh, who else? I love Jock Tears. I love Necking. Um, I love uh, all the sort of like punky bands who are who don't sound like anyone else who are but who are trying to express themselves. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I like I like weirdo expressionism. <laughs> yep. <laughs> awesome cool um outside of vancouver um oh here's actually here's a question for you um do you listen to a lot of stuff coming out of toronto and montreal um, do you feel like you're up on sort of like what's happening in I'm those cities or no? i'm definitely not up to date okay um i don't know I, actually as music director at citr i've got on i'm i'm starting to get more up to date right <laughs> yeah it's my job now um <laughs> Um, and it's funny to have like a, a music director who is like <laughs> doesn't really pay attention to genres, <laughs> mm-hmm. and who mo- like most of the stuff I listen to is from the eighties. Um, uh, okay, yeah, cool. <laughs> um, do you know who was shortlisted for Polaris this year? Oh, not off the top of my head. I've okay. got the list on my computer. Um, okay, yeah, I wasn't meaning to like quiz you. I just wanted to ask who you thought would maybe win this year, but it's, oh. it's okay if you don't have. Plan. I don't know, and I, 
I don't even like. I'm not even focused on it. Like when I got the email that said like the Polaris long list and the Polaris short list, I was like, I can get to that eventually because like my job now is is looking out for underrepresented bands and trying to showcase sure. the people who don't get a lot of media attention. Yeah. So <laughs> when when big organizations or big groups or like people who are getting a lot of press send me stuff, I'm like, okay, I'll I might get to that. Right. Yeah. Okay. Cool. <laughs> yeah, I think that's good. We can we can call it there. Okay. Well, I'm gonna turn the interview back on myself and <laughs> shamelessly promote some of these shows that I have coming up. Uh, one of them is with Miles and his band Pale Red. So that is this upcoming Sunday, July 29th, um, at Eastside Studios. And then the day before, I have a show which I think is free. Um, downtown at mole hill i'm playing the mole hill mole stock mole stock that looks like an amazing build (laughs) yeah with me gang i can't exactly what it's called either but the mole the mole party yeah yeah so it's for the mole hill um community housing society and i'm gonna play maybe at like four in the afternoon or something but it's also with kimordal and it's with someone named Megang. I think that's maybe how you... Megang. Megang? Megang, like Megan, but gang. Megang. Yeah. Megang. Okay, yeah, so you can come to that if you are downtown. And yeah, that is all for now. <laughs> Cheers. Thanks for interviewing me, Jeff. <laughs> You're welcome. It was this great. This was a delight. <laughs> Bye. Thanks for listening to Noise Complaint. And thanks to Devours for letting us into Devours land, his apartment, to chat. You can follow Devours on Instagram at devours.xyu. Catch the next episode for performance by Necking.